Hi everyone, it's your girl Neka from Ejela Express, the podcast where we travel up and down a fictional highway called Ejela Express. Um, this highway of ours runs from Cape Town, South Africa to Monomouth, Bahrain, where we talk about our experiences as young Nigerian Americans. Every Thursday, we welcome an audience of global citizens like yourselves living in the 21st century, unpacking identity, social trends, and the latest art, literature, and musical pieces. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to be joined by Chiara this week. We're sending her positive vibes, hoping that she gets better. Um, this week, we did get a chance to have a special guest, and her name is Nantia Demara, who is a Pan-African Londoner and founding editor of Afrida. Um, she's originally from Nigeria, and she started Afrida as a small website and then eventually sending out a call for submissions back in 2015 and then since then she's been reading and editing stories um most recently she was the talent and audience development manager at harper collins publishers and in 2020 she was named a bookseller rising star and the following year she was listed as one of the 150 most influential people in uk publishing she is a certified calamari connoisseur and you can read more about her works on her website and she tweets at nancy adumara so that's nan n-a-n-c c like the letter c um adumara a-d-i-m-o-r-a and we'll leave her links in our bio or in the show notes um and for now check out our conversation um first I am going to blame you and not my like lack of um, self-control for like all the readings or like wider <laughs> suggestions from Afrida because wow, like <laughs> thank you for that. I love it. Um, the other the the first thing I want to kind of ask is, um, what type of reader were you growing up? And kind of give us like your origin story for um how you became nancy oh how i became nancy <laughs> yeah oh, big question <laughs> like read an origin story yeah i <laughs> used to read in school you know mm. so a lot of people even now when they think about literature they think about reading they associate it with school right for better or for worse Absolutely. so you know obviously i follow the national curriculum whatever we were taught to read in school is what i would kind of fumble through because i'm nigerian right so yeah. i wanted me to do well in that english class so I was a lot of reading for me was kind of a means to an end like let me understand this story enough to answer this essay question about this story mm. um and a lot of that was ref was you know a result of the fact that I didn't see myself in literature it's it's this kind of you know thing that we're used to hearing in terms mm. of you know born and raised in London um a lot of what we were reading felt very far away and I'm actually a big proponent of you know this idea that you know, literature is so universal. So the fact that you're human means that you can connect with these characters, right? Mm -hmm. But there was just, for me, there was always a kind of element missing, right? And mm -hmm. that element is what made reading just feel like something I would do for school rather than something I would do for fun. Mm -hmm. um, and that all changed, I would say, kind of um, in the middle of secondary school when my friends and I discovered African-American literature, right? Mm -hmm. And that was when our world was blown 
open. <laughs> we couldn't believe that, you know, these characters, it just felt so familiar because even though we were in London, we were watching, um, you know, Trouble TV at the time, which had things like Moesha and My Wife and Kids. Mm -hmm. So we felt very kind of aligned to kind of African-American culture. Um, but it all changed for me in terms of my origin story. Um, mm -hmm. When I was 14 and an aunt of mine gave me a copy of Half a Yellow Sun for Christmas, right? And mm -hmm. so I just remember, I've said this story over and over again, but I just remember kind of you know, initially being unexcited by the fact that I had received a book for Christmas. <laughs> right. Like, I was going to say, I'm like, Bro. at that age, you're like, whoa, this is not on the no. list. <laughs> like, give me 20 pounds. I know what I will do with 20 pounds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so I was a bit kind of, you know, uninspired, didn't really understand what I was looking at. And then when I finally kind of um, unwrapped the present, I remember just sitting on my couch and just staring at the cover, right? Mm. And I just remember that day like it was yesterday because the thing that caught me about the cover was the name. So like mm. I've said over and over again, Shimamanda, it meant nothing to me, right? Mm. I have never heard that name ever in my life. Yeah. Adichie, again, that could be Italian. I do not know what that means. That Ngozi in the middle, yeah. I have an auntie Ngozi. I have so many auntie Ngozis. Like mm -hmm. for me, just seeing a name that was unmistakably Ibo was like, oh whoa like yeah. this is something she never <laughs> experienced before yeah. where does she come from mm -hmm. and so kind of in the the days after I started reading this book and you know bear in mind I was 14 half of yellow sun is a huge historical book you know it's very say, heavy yeah. you know um but it was the first time I saw myself in literature I saw Ibo words dotted around chapters and that kind of coincided with a year that we didn't go back to Nigeria for summer holidays right so for me this idea that I could travel home through stories was mm. mind-blowing also it sounds really ridiculous to say but I remember when I went back to school and I was kind of gathering all my friends. So I had a lot of kind of, you know, Nigerian friends at school as well. Mm -hmm. And I was like, guys, we write. Did you know that we write? I, <laughs> They're I, like, what? I was like, Wait, I Nancy, didn't you know. crazy. <laughs> I believe that we mm -hmm. as people, we wrote something, we could write. And it sounds mm -hmm. so ridiculous and also so sad that I was 14 years old and I didn't know that it was possible for us to write stories. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just remember that just changing the game for me. And from that point on, you know, I was just, in love with stories from what I like to call stories from home, stories that make me feel at home. And this is obviously Nigerian literature, but it's also African literature, like broadly speaking. I am obsessed with the entire continent and, you know, books are my stories, not just books, are my way of kind of traveling across the continent. Um, yeah, and I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. That was a very long answer. No, it was perfect. <laughs> There's one thing that you said where you said you didn't quite see your per see yourself as um see yourself like in literature or literary works, right? What what were the stories that you were reading before receiving like Half of a Yellow Sun? And uh -huh. um how did you did you feel like you related to those stories or uh -huh. yeah? So it's for me, the usual. So like I said, kind of a lot of it dominated by the English curriculum, um, but also kind of 
like Harry Potter. So for example, like certain things that I was reading was kind of everyone else was reading it, right? So if everyone's talking about chapter two, you kind of want to know what they're yeah, talking about, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was kind of fueled by everyone is reading this thing at this time. And mm -hmm. did I enjoy it? I did. Like I did enjoy the first book, the second book, maybe the third book. By the fourth or fifth book, it just started to get really thick. And I was like, bro, like I am not yeah. saying that. <laughs> <She> <laughs> I'm reading I'm about all this, all this witchcraft, you people, like I'm over <laughs> it. But I just, but even mm -hmm. if I try to think back kind of, honestly at that time mm. I didn't read those books and think oh no it's so sad that I can't see myself in these books because I didn't expect to see myself mm. and you know I, it felt it so kind of, kind like of foreign given. to me exactly yeah. it was just I'm enjoying it for what it is like mm -hmm. the idea that I will see you know my language on a page was so foreign to me you know mm. and that's why when I received Half of Yellow Sun everything just flipped upside down because you know now now I expect to see myself, not all the time, because like mm -hmm. I said, literature is so beautiful in that you can read, you know, a story from Bosnia, right? And yeah. because we are all human, you feel connected to that story. In some but, way, somehow. Exactly. Yeah. But I appreciate the humanity of characters that are so far away from me because mm -hmm. I know what it's like to see myself in literature. So it's not just this far away thing. It yeah. is actually it speaks to who we are, you know, as humans, which is um which is really interesting actually. Yeah. And you know, now working as um a publishing consultant and um you're a founding editor for Frida, how do you kind of and you're working with you know different writers and stories how do you kind of keep the storylines or the stories intact or like how do you stay authentic to not only what the writer has written but just you know just to kind of keep what was originally meant intact I don't know if that makes sense yeah it does make sense it's really mm. tricky um yeah it's really tricky. And the thing with editing actually is that mm. it's not a science. It's not one plus one equals two, right? Absolutely. Two people can read yeah. a sentence, take two different things away from it. One person could love the sentence. Somebody else can say, this is crap, right? Mm -hmm. So as an editor, for me, it's just this idea of, it is not, it's not like I am serving the writer. And what I mean by that is a lot of times I feel like, mm -hmm you know, writing is such a spiritual endeavor. Like it's Absolutely, just, you're yeah. downloading from this kind of world, your imagination, and you have to put it on paper. That is so difficult to do. And when you do it, it is such a triumph. So my role in order to kind of keep the story intact isn't to come in and say, oh, this should happen, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not my vision. I'm not the vision carrier, right? So yeah. I am the co-pilot and I'm helping the pilot tell the story in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I say I'm serving the author, it's less about what's the more interesting story to read and kind of what is the story that needs to be told and what is mm. this writer what is the story that this writer is trying to tell um mm. and it's kind of um yeah just working really closely with them but I think my the key contribution I make to stories is understanding my role as a co-pilot so a lot of what I do is suggestions right mm. um to get the writer kind of think more critically about certain parts of the story but mm. not kind of you know forcing anyone to change the story in a way that might be more palatable um for readers mm. 
And for, so I was kind of thinking about um, either from like the writer's perspective to the publisher to even the reader, what is some of, um, I guess, troublesome recommendations or suggestions that you've heard either towards readers, writers, publishers, even um, that kind of either get in the way of the storytelling aspect or otherwise? Um, I think something that just comes to mind is, you know, this idea of, you know, so say for example, Half of the Yellow Sun, right? So mm -hmm. one of the key things that struck me when I was reading that book was seeing my language written down, right? Written Absolutely. on paper. Yeah. But when you think about the traditional publishing industry, um, Half of the Yellow Sun was published in the West. It was published mm. um, in the UK. It was published in the US. And a mm. lot of the people, the readers necessary to make that book as successful as it is, are not from my part of Nigeria, mm -hmm. right? So they might, <laughs> they might be, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a white middle-class reader living mm -hmm. in Vermont, for example, mm -hmm. right? So <laughs> yeah. They do not necessarily mm -hmm. understand the language or understand, you know, what's being spoken or the, you know, those little gems, those if you know, you knows, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, those if you know, you knows, that is a difference between a good story and something that changes my world. So what is problematic is if an editor who doesn't necessarily understand those kind of specific cues or gems or nuggets is yeah. trying to, you know, completely remove them from the story because mm -hmm. they want the story to be more accessible for mm -hmm. that reader in Vermont, right? Yeah, And so you see it all the time. You see it in publishing where, you know, certain titles are changed, um, you know, or, you know, there's, and I think it just, mm. it just strips the story and, you know, there is still value in the story, but it's not the same, you know? Mm. And so, um, like I said, kind of as an editor, you know, because I work with so many stories from across the continent, you know, mm -hmm. I can have a Zambian writer, for example, or mm -hmm. a writer from Rwanda. I have no idea what that sentence means, but I mm -hmm. trust you. <laughs> I trust you. You're telling you it in a way that, yeah. And it's also this, this idea of like, a writer is clever enough to give cues, right? So if the following sentence is in English, you can just figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you really want to know, there are so many ways to figure out what that sentence means. You know, mm -hmm. Google is your friend, but even if it's not your friend, you might find someone who's from Rwanda and say, could you quickly, you know, translate this for me? Mm -hmm. If you really want to know, you know? So mm -hmm. for me, I just think it's really important to just, like I said, just focus on the story that the writer wants to tell, but also, yeah, not everything is for you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Not everything is for you. Um, yeah, and so yeah. so yeah. And I think that that's a that's a really that's a really good point because I think um, a lot of the time, like whether it's me, like art overall, but like whether it's music literature, um, there's there's always kind of like this point, and whether it's the writers, and I work with musicians, like their career where we're like okay how do we make sure this market aka like america's understands you or is intact with you and to be honest there's a lot of artists where i just feel like they're not meant to be pushed to be understood by this other demographic um because then that's when you kind of run into watering down the story and it 100%. just and it doesn't really become 
a substance at that 100%. point. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was gonna ask you about um because I did read your article about the 2019's Lion King film. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the face, no. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was, and I thought you brought up a lot of um good points, and we'll link it in the the show notes as well about um and you you can kind of t- tell more about like your points, but I just wanted to know what your thoughts have been on some of the more recent films, like uh, if you've seen them, like Woman King or Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, that came out like two, three days ago, but it's, it feels like it's been out for a minute just because of all the buzz. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'm seeing like this shift in, in film um, where there's like an interest to showcase or at least, yeah, to showcase more African voices but I'm still getting the sense that it's at the end of the day it's still pushed by western um Mm -hmm. western writers um filmmakers etc um but yeah just curious about your thoughts on this here and (laughs) yeah um so I from my perspective so I've watched both so I've watched a woman king and I've watched um Mm -hmm. Black Panther mm-hmm. and you know something I tweeted yesterday was just this idea of who would have told us that there would be two back-to-back Hollywood releases with characters inspired by the homies warriors you know yeah, so yeah, for yeah. me just the idea that the idea that we are you know our stories are, are being seen on a global stage is really interesting um it's also interesting, like you said, that they are a lot of the times told with a very kind of Hollywood lens, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see in The Woman King, you know, yes, it was Warriors, but also there was this kind of love story that I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> this, you know? But at the end of the day, you know, although I am someone who loves stories, I adore the power of stories. Um, I'm also someone who is very practical as well. And when I say practical, it's because I have a business hat on in terms of, you know, if you are really striving to make this story as authentic as possible or as kind of, you don't want to add any of the Hollywood elements, you just want Mm -hmm. it to be as bare and kind of true as possible, you would be left with an extraordinary story that mm-hmm. three people would go and see. Do you know what I mean? And it's just this yeah, idea yeah. of like, yeah. how how do you balance it? You know, the mm-hmm. way they have approached it means that millions of people everywhere have flocked to the cinema to read these stories or to see these stories. Yeah. And the power of it then is that, you know, of course they were fictionalized in terms of like the Dahomey, the, the woman warriors, for example, mm-hmm. both in Black Panther and in The Woman King. But mm-hmm. you are then incentivized to kind of get home and maybe do a quick Google search, Absolutely. maybe read an article, maybe understand the warriors that did exist, what they looked like, like what, you know, the mm-hmm. tensions of, you know, um, there was a, a lot of conversations around slavery and their role in the slave trade. And these are Absolutely. all interesting conversations that you have or that you um, research because you watch this Hollywood adaptation of, you know, who they were and how they existed. So mm-hmm. I see... I see the value, I see the value in telling our stories on a broad stage. Um, 
you know, I think that the Woman King, Black Panther, there are so many things that I have in my head as it relates to how, you know, our stories are portrayed. Mm-hmm. But essentially, I do think it's a good thing. Um, and I am excited for, you know, different, you know, for example, the investment that you're seeing, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime, yes. into Nigeria, right? So yeah, trying yeah. to work with local Nigerian producers, that's mm-hmm. all exciting, but it's fueled from the success of Black Panther and the fact that, Absolutely. you know, people are understanding in terms of just factually, you know, um, the population of the continent is skyrocketing. So it just doesn't make sense to ignore our stories because there's commercial value to our stories. So, um, so yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. Um, the Lion King article, I can't even remember half of the points. I, just, <laughs> I was just, oh, I wrote it with fury, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> no, but you in, in that art, like it, um, it wasn't like a fury article the way i read it was um this is a beautiful piece of work um and at the same time we need to keep these and these points in mind and these yeah and these points being um if we want to tell like if we if we want to tell a story that celebrates um africa or at least like regions within africa then we can do that, but let's not continue doing it in this manner. A hundred percent. But if you, for me, the crux of it was The Lion mm-hmm. King is a movie about wild animals. Yeah. You cannot say that is an African movie. Like mm-hmm, it just, mm-hmm. for me, it's just this idea of, I, there are so many instances mm-hmm. where you see kind of conversations about Africa or here's a Mm. show about Africa and it's just a show about animals, you know? And Mm. that for me, like the optics of that, it just drives me mad, right? Mm. Because there are people, there are humans who wake up in the morning and go to work or who go on dates or who fall in love or who go Mm. to school. Like there are so many humans and human Mm. stories. So you cannot tell me that a story about somebody who is trying to take over the animal kingdom is mm-hmm. like is the for most, africa, yeah. africa. Like, please like we're actually gonna fight um and it was a risk it was a risky article because um, it was it was yeah. the catalyst was sparked mm-hmm. by something that beyonce said right and mm-hmm. obviously i'm not trying to go against beehive no <laughs> whatsoever yeah no. yeah and i but... remember you saying that in the article yeah, you're like yeah. listen we like, love it guys we we're on the same side but let's just have this quick conversation yeah, quick. yeah. Um, and then we can go back to standing but um but yeah i'm happy it was actually really i remember received mm-hmm. well at the time yeah. um and a quite a few people read it there was kind of interesting conversations about mm-hmm. it so um yeah I was happy that I was able to kind of make the point in a light-hearted way if that mm-hmm. makes sense so it wasn't yeah. yeah it wasn't I tried to make it accessible so it wasn't that deep it wasn't that mm-hmm. scholarly but we kind yeah, of got the point across, which is um, which is mm-hmm. great what are you hoping for um I guess like in the next year with uh with Afrida Oh, great question. Um, so Afrida's going through a bit of a transition. It's mm-hmm. so funny because whenever anyone asks me about Afrida, I always mm-hmm. say he's going through a transition. Yeah. Right? So it's, a, <laughs> it's a perpetual transition. We are always kind of thinking about the next thing. Um, mm-hmm. But the biggest change I would say in the past couple of months has been 
has been our shift away from, you know, we're a literary magazine and mm. we are now calling ourselves a storytelling company for Africa. And for mm. me, that enables us to be more, um, just think outside of the box in terms Absolutely. of storytelling and what that looks like. And we, you know, before a lot of our work with Afrida was just driven by the fact that we love African stories, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. We like traveling mm-hmm. through stories, which is amazing. Um, but in terms of going back to the drawing board and really figuring out our why, why are we publishing stories once a week? Why are we telling people about this book that has just been published? Mm-hmm. It comes down to the fact that those who tell the stories rule the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, that has literally just been the key thing that has anchored everything we do the Mm. idea that you know when you think about the stories of the world you think about somewhere like Paris you know Paris the story Mm. of Paris is that it is a city of love Love you go to the Eiffel Tower you propose to your babe (laughs) everything you know I mean everything is good vibes and you might oh that's just a cute story but no Mm -hmm. that story has a direct impact in tourism dollars right the amount of people who travel to Paris to propose to their babes Mm -hmm. is directly linked to the stories that Paris tells right Mm -hmm. and so when you think about the continent like you can't just think about stories as being this oh this thing that we do because we love stories no it has such a direct impact on you know uh economic investment so even when you think about um you know the year of return in 2019 for me that was a hundred percent driven by the creative industries it was there is something about music and the role music played in making being african was the coolest thing on the world right a lot of us kind of grew up in you know the west Mm -hmm. there was a kind of you know in london specifically it was cool to be jamaican right so there were so many people (laughs) walking around like they were jamaican but your name is actually chiamaka so i don't know yeah yeah but the idea that suddenly <laughs> you're having all these this huge boom in music right suddenly 2019 year of return there are people who wouldn't have dreamed of going back to Ghana without their parents like going back to Ghana was something you did because you had to do maybe because a grandparent mm. passed away or there's a wedding yeah. but you're going by yourself without your parents to yeah. chop life that is a hundred different level <laughs> by the creative mm. industry so for me in terms of the role of Afrida it's just this idea of okay I understand how fundamental storytelling is I understand how fundamental our literature is as it relates to the stories we tell about ourselves mm-hmm. so you man you guys handle music mm-hmm. you guys handle uh, you know tv and film yeah. you guys handle gaming we've got literature down like we're, we're yeah, kind of yeah. you know it's just a kind of avengers assemble kind of thing you know um, i love the I image say, that's like that's like bubbling true. in my head it's <laughs> so true. and it's like obviously we're not doing alone there's so many incredible organizations who are really amplifying african mm. storytelling through literature and we're just a part of it you know we're just kind of you know at the you know ready to just go to war and just like mm. show that we have so many incredible stories um and just open up the continent through those stories that's amazing and one more thing i, I did want to ask um and what's one thing that you are 
deeply grateful for right now. And it could be, I know we've talked about literature and Frida, but it could just be anything random. Mm. Ooh, it's a hard mm -hmm. one. I am grateful. Mm. I'm grateful that I'm doing what I feel I've been called to do, right? Mm. So mm. I'm grateful that I'm in a position where I have understood my why um, and that that is a thing that is driving me. And it's a seemingly small thing, but for me, it's such a huge thing, you know, to wake up in the morning and to do work that you genuinely feel you've been called to do. It just, it feeds you on a spiritual level, you know? So I'm yeah, very, very grateful for that. And very um, optimistic about what's to come. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nancy. Oh, you're welcome. I love this conversation. Thank you. So for one, it was amazing having Nancy um, on this episode. Um, I think the most impactful part of this conversation is um, how much, you know, just thinking back, uh, reminded me of um, Chimamanda's like, you know, uh, notable TEDx or speech where she talked about the danger of a single story. Um, that will also be in the show notes but um, just hearing stories and works of people like Nancy's not only inspiring but it also kind of reminds you that um, creative works creative industries overall um, serve multiple purposes it's the things that make us laugh it's the things that make us cry it's the things that remind us of home um, and it's also the things that welcome people into our communities um, for various reasons um, and so thank you again to Nancy and thank you to you our listeners if you're hearing this message you have listened to the entire episode and for that we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts um, I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Definitely check out Efrida um, and keep up to date with Nancy on her socials as well as her website. Um, that will also be in the show notes. Most importantly, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, if you have any suggestions on guests, topics that you would like for us to cover, please, please, please let us know on our socials. You can find updates and you can share your responses um, at urucollective.co. All of that is in the show notes. Um, and if you yourself are would like to be a guest on our podcast, you can definitely reach out um, on our Instagram as well as Twitter, pretty much any social media site we have and that has an inbox, like reach out. Um, but in the meantime comment or let us know tweet us whatever you would choose let us know what you're reading right now and then if you happen to check out Frida, let us know if you've read any of the stories there what you think about them we'd love to tap in in the meantime we'll see you next week